at Freeleaf, we're really a community. And so we grow together. I learn so much from the staff that we employ, both uh, from like professional, tangible things and design and aesthetic, as well as personal things. It's very mutual. It's yeah. not top down. It's everybody impacting and learning from everybody else. And so the richness of that experience, I think I wasn't initially expecting. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only with their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Addison Piles, who is the co-founder and CEO of Freeleaf, an international social enterprise making beautiful products while providing employment and holistic care to at-risk, abused, and exploited women. Combining her passions for women's rights, collective freedom, and finding beauty amidst chaos, Addison co-founded Freeleaf in 2016. With an MA in International Community Development, a tenacity for excellence, and a commitment to sustainability, Addison has led the Freeleaf brand through considerable growth, employing over 20 women in the last few years, being recognized by the Caring Foundation as one of the top five social enterprises in China, and being highlighted as a female founder by the Spanx Red Backpack Brigade. Addison and her family actually have had a really crazy year being displaced from their home in China by COVID since January of 2020. They welcomed their second son in October of 2020, and they are currently living in Austin, Texas, waiting out the pandemic and waiting to return to their lives and their work in Asia. I had just the best conversation with Addison. I love her heart and her tenacity and her willingness to just to do the work. And she is truly an inspiration. And I know that you are going to love this conversation. So without further ado, on to my chat with Addison. Addison, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Thank you for having me, Molly. It's great to talk to you. I am hanging in there like all of us. <laughs> all of us. COVID days with work from home and parenthood and all the uncertainty, but hanging in there, doing well. Awesome. Well, I have long been a fan of your work with Freeleaf. And so it's really nice to be able to finally connect and and really get to know you a little bit more and kind of the, you know, the name and the face behind <laughs> the brand. So can you just give us the Addison 101? So tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. Yes. So I'm Addison. I um, started Freeleaf in 2016. So fresh out of college, I was looking for jobs, knew I was passionate about um, women's empowerment, poverty alleviation. I applied to a lot of organizations and companies and didn't get hired by any of them. <laughs> and so I thought, oh gosh, what can I do? Maybe I'll take a gap year, live abroad, get some experience, learn Mandarin, and then I'll move back to the States and go to grad school. So I moved to China in 2011 to learn Mandarin and I thought I'd just be there very shortly. Uh, my now husband did the same. And then 
while we were there, we both really loved it. We decided, hey, let's get married and let's stay in China. So then from there in 2015, I had a mutual friend um, who's a local Chinese woman named Yai, and we were both excited about uh, women's issues and supporting women in the community. And so we just kind of started talking to people, hearing people's stories. We talked to women um, who had experienced domestic abuse, women who were homeless. Uh, we talked to different service providers, social workers, women in the sex industry, so many different types of women, and just really saw that economic need and lack of viable financial opportunities were what kept so many women from leaving abusive situations. And so neither of us had any business experience or had ever imagined starting a company, but we did in 2016. And that's kind of, yeah, where we started and where we're still at. What initially led you to China? What was it just kind of like, it was like, you kind of spun the globe and (laughs) where your fingers stopped, like that's where you ended up? Or how did, you know, what led you there? Yeah, I was always interested in Mandarin. Um, I had taken some Chinese classes in school and just thought it would be an interesting place to go and study. So it was pretty random, but decided to go for a year. Yeah. And eventually a year led to living almost there. Almost 10. Wow. Yeah. Almost 10 years. And what was kind of going on in that time between 2011 and 2016? I mean, to like just even kind of on a basic level, what were you doing for income? What were you, you know, were you just kind of working odds and end jobs there? You know, and, and what were you doing while you were setting up Freeleaf? Yeah. So my husband started a video production company. He's a video producer. And so he started that and was running that. And I was continuing to study language. I also got an online master's degree in international community development. Wow. Um, and then was just exploring opportunities. You know, I knew I wanted to work with women and I had no idea what that would look like, but I was just kind of laying low and waiting to see what opportunities would come up. That's really awesome. And so you partnered with um, your friend there and tell me her name one more time. Jai. Jai. Mm-hmm. And so you partnered with Jai and where did, you know, you knew, you knew kind of like a general idea of what you wanted to do with Free Leaf. How did you begin to kind of iron out those details and begin to set it up in a way that you were like, okay, this is what it's going to really look like on a practical level. And then obviously, as we know, with any business launch, <laughs> eventually there has to be changes and pivots and you start things thinking it's going to go one way. And eventually you're like, oh, no, going to have to do this a different way. So, you know, what, what were some of those early stages as you were working with her to get Free Leaf off the ground? Yeah. So we actually did not want to start a business in the beginning. Again, we had no business experience. Um, She studied journalism in college and uh, I studied international development, but we knew we wanted to serve these women and vulnerable women, um, either at risk or women who had experienced abuse. They needed viable financial options. to live, you know, free and sustainable lives. And so initially we looked for other businesses that we could partner with because we didn't want to start a business, but if we knew friends of friends that were hiring, then maybe we could like meet women and help 
refer them to other businesses for employment. So we tried that for a little while, um, but really saw that certain factors like a low education or PTSD from previous trauma or schedule challenges of being a single mom, societal pressures, disability, like these are factors that make it fairly difficult for some individuals to find quote unquote normal marketplace jobs right. uh, with opportunities for upward mobility and training and all of those things. And so after a while of having a lot of challenges in finding good places for these women to go work, we thought, well, maybe we could just try it. <laughs> maybe yeah. we'll try to you know, make some products and see if we can sell some things and see what we can make happen. Um, so we started with one staff in the very beginning and just thought, okay, let's make something. <laughs> Had no idea what we were going to make. Um, but we knew we wanted to really highlight a traditional art and traditional design. And so we loved the, the symbol of the Chinese knot and kind of adapting that into modern applications. And so we started with a jute rug and it was awful and it took us hours and hours and hours to make. Um, but slowly we got a little bit better and just started making those products. And for people that aren't familiar with the Chinese knot and the symbolism behind that, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so the Chinese knot, it's an ancient tradition for you know thousands and thousands of years, not just in China, but all around Asia. Knots are used to symbolize like well wishes and blessings. So you see them a lot around weddings and celebrations. And so there are a lot of very uh, traditional styles. And some of those are, you can see in our like jewelry and home decor. And then we, we looked at other knotting traditions, ancient knotting traditions from around the world and just kind of took inspiration from all of those. Right. Yeah. It's a, I mean, I have a couple of Freeleaf's knotted wall hangings and they're just, they're so beautiful. They're really unique pieces. And so now here you are in 2021 and you've developed a really diverse and beautiful product line. How has it evolved from that first jute rug that you, you took your hours and hours and wasn't great to the product line that you have now? And what has kind of, what have you learned along the way? Yeah, so we started with home decor very intentionally. We knew that jewelry is a really popular market for women's empowerment and fair trade type companies, but we felt like it was a pretty saturated market. And so we wanted to create something that was unique and was really different. And so we started with home decor. Started first with those rugs. We had a few different types of rugs and then moved into bowls and coasters um, wall hangings are really recent. And so we love our home decor, but we also wanted to have something that was like a little bit brighter and simpler, cheaper, more available to a lot of people. So our home decor, it's they're more statement pieces. We now have some um, smaller products that are at a cheaper price point, but they're a lot of them are bigger and more expensive. And so people may buy one and keep it for forever. Yeah. And maybe buy one and gift it to a friend, but it's not as open to like repeat purchases over and over again. And so we did develop a few jewelry items which allow our artisans to 
kind of have a little bit more fun with color. It's a little bit less risk, I'll say, because you can develop something and it can sell for one season and it doesn't have to be this like timeless product forever that people are going to want to keep in their homes for years and years and years and years. And so you can just have fun with it. So we have a few jewelry items that we, you know, sell now as well. Yeah, I actually have the um, tassel earrings, the hoop, the hoops with the purple tassel, the deep purple, and I love them so much. And every time I wear them, people ask me where I got them. So <laughs> they're one of my favorites. But yeah, you yeah. you really do have such a beautiful, diverse product line. And I know, you know, having interviewed and spoken to a ton of ethical business owners and also having a lot of friends who are in the industry, products are hard and it is it is hard to get it right and to figure out what are customers going to want and all of those things. And you now, you know, over the last five years have really grown this to um, you're employing over 20 women now. You were named to as one of the top five social enterprises in China, which is huge. And you've, you know, you've grown so much. What has surprised you along the way that you didn't expect when you first started this kind of venture? There have been so many surprises. (laughs) Uh, I mean, everything from how hard it is to develop a product, right? You think, hey, just make something beautiful. And that's pretty easy, but it's not to, you know, source the materials to make sure everything is ethically made in the sourcing chain, design products to photograph them, to sell them. Like it's, it's all so much harder than I thought it would be. I've also been really surprised by the community that we've developed at Freeleaf. We still have several of the staff that started with us back in 2016 that are a part of our team and have really grown to be like cornerstones of our company. Um, So the first staff that we ever hired who started making that terrible rug (laughs) took us hours and hours. I remember listening to Taylor Swift with her and she didn't speak any English. My Mandarin was decent, but not great. And we're sitting there trying to make a rug and just figuring it out as we go. But um, now she is our key designer. Amazing. And she handles the quality control and just works at this really, really high level in our company. And I love that. I love that we're a community of women that really learns from each other and grows together. It's not that I didn't expect that, but I... I am still surprised by the the richness of that community and um, mutual support and encouragement. I think a lot of people, when they think about social enterprise or nonprofit, I mean, we're not a nonprofit, but when you think about these like helping industries, you think that there's the helper and they in turn help all the people they're helping. But at Freeleaf, we're really a community. And so we grow together. I learned so much from the staff that we employ, both uh, from like professional tangible things and design and aesthetic, as well as personal things. Like my son just started daycare this week. And I was remembering conversations I had years ago with our one of our staff in Asia as her son started daycare. And it's very mutual. It's yeah. not top down. It's everybody impacting and learning from everybody else. And so the richness of that experience, I think I wasn't initially expecting. 
Yeah. And so obviously, you know, living in, you know, a different country, not to mention a different country on the basically entire opposite side of the world, um, it does have its challenges. But, you know, you you seem to have quickly found a home there. And what was it about living in China that just felt right? It's so bizarre because growing up, I imagined myself living in this tiny mountain town, like surrounded by sunshine and flowers and not a lot of people. I'm not extroverted. I'm very introverted. And so the idea of living in a mega city was like, there's no way I would ever (laughs) want to do that. But I love it. I love the pace. I love the energy. People are excited. Uh, There's a lot of opportunity. Things just move really quickly from construction on the street. Like here, the interstate is taking 40 years to build. And over there, it's like things are built so quickly. And there's just so such fast movement. Yeah. And I love that. I love the opportunities. I love the people that we've met and built relationships with over there. We love Asia in general. So being able to travel and explore different parts of Asia, the food is incredible. Yeah, you're totally right that we've built a home there. And it does, it feels like home. And obviously, you know, elephant in the room is you guys had to leave um, at the beginning of the pandemic. Why did you make that? Did you, was the decision kind of made for you or did you guys make the decision? And, you know, now you're here in the States kind of waiting things out. What has that been like when everything kind of began to hit the fans, so to speak, back in January of 2020? Yeah, so we did make the decision. Um, it was about it was early January when we started hearing about COVID uh, without the name, of course, but mm-hmm. hearing about the virus and about mid to late January, um, things were moving really rapidly. We have a toddler and borders were kind of closing and we thought, okay, we can either be on lockdown here in our apartment for a few weeks, we thought, with a toddler Or we could go back to the U.S. for a few weeks, work on marketing and business things, see family, have childcare help. And we really thought it would just be a few weeks here where we could do more work supporting our our businesses here than there. And so, yeah, we got on a plane quickly. We bought a plane ticket and left about five hours later. Wow. um, And had a return ticket for three weeks later. And then it was canceled and it was rescheduled and then it was canceled again and then it was canceled again. And then the borders actually closed and it's been totally unexpected. I found out I was pregnant in February and thought surely we'll be back at our home in China to have the baby. I mean, of course, that's nine months away, right? Just had no idea what this all would look like. You know, nobody did. So it's been challenging for sure. We lived the first seven months back with my parents here in Austin, Texas, um, because we kept thinking we're only here for a few more weeks and then we're going back. We're only here for a few more weeks and surely we'll be back by the end of March, by the end of April, by August. And then in August, we hit that threshold where it was like, okay, if we can't go back by this point, I guess I'm having a baby in the States and we're going to hang out here for a little bit longer. So we hit that point and it still wasn't possible to go back home 
Um, so we had to have friends move everything out of our apartment into storage and get rid of our apartment there. Yeah, I was going to ask. I was like, I have like logistical questions. Like yeah. this seems like a logistical nightmare. Is Absolutely. you packed for like three weeks? <laughs> yep, I know. We had to completely get new wardrobes every season change. And yeah, so we had, we had to find a storage unit. We had friends pack up our apartment, move everything into storage. Those are some good friends. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Um, and then that freed us up to be able to rent a place here, to afford to rent a place here. And we scoured by nothing and different Facebook groups to furnish a place here. We moved in in September. I had a baby in October. <laughs> And now we're, we're here, you know, we, we still feel like we're playing that game of, okay, surely we'll be back by February was our initial thought. Surely now February is almost here and it's not going to be happen. Yeah. Um, and so we don't know at this point, I'm thinking we might be back in the summer, hopefully, but, but really have no idea. So this year, like everybody else, you know, we've had to pivot. And from yeah. a business perspective, Freeleaf, it was always our goal for Freeleaf to be sustainable and for it to be run by locals and not rely on kind of a foreign presence like on the ground. And so that has happened over the last year. Wow. Um, unexpectedly, but. Jai is over there and doing an incredible job managing the team. Um, when COVID first hit, our Asia office shut down for six to eight weeks. Wow. Nobody could come into the office. And then even after uh, the economy kind of picked back up and things opened up, we employ a lot of single women who did not have childcare, yeah. which we all understand here as well as being so challenging. But we had to adapt and find ways to help support these women to get childcare. We actually started a daycare. Wow. Um, and several of our staff bring their children to our daycare now so that they can go to work. And then in March, COVID hit the US, which drastically impacted our sales. And we had just brought in a full time US director because I'm usually overseas. And for the first three, four years, uh, me and Jai were managing everything from China. And so we had just hired a full-time U.S. director to help manage things on the ground here. And then the pandemic hit here and sales got hit really hard. And we were wondering how are we going to, you know, make payroll in the U.S. And But we've just been really fortunate. We received the Spanx Red Backpack Brigade um, grant wow. earlier in the year. And had a few key sales and have been able to, yeah, to keep going and yeah. build a lot of sustainability into our business that I don't think we would have gotten here had we not had these big challenges to kind of get over. Wow. I mean, that is what a testimony for number one, because I mean, like I said, I'm just sitting here listening to you tell your story and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, she packed a toddler got him on a plane from China to Texas, just not a short flight in like a five hour span, thinking she's going to come for three weeks. Then all of a sudden, you know what hits the fan and you're trying to run a business. You find out you're pregnant. I mean, like, that's a lot of things. And the fact yes. that you are sitting here 
uh, still, I think, relatively sane. <laughs> you know, like that's in, that's incredible. But I love your perspective because I think a lot of people, I, I, I'm just going to be real straight up honest. Like, I think a lot of people would have crumbled <laughs> under the pressure. And I don't mean that to sound like real bleak, but or maybe it's just those situations that sometimes refine us where we're going through these. I mean, you feel like you are climbing up Mount Everest and as a person of faith, like for, for me, just knowing that like sometimes God puts us in those moments where it's like, we just feel like, Lord, there is so much happening around me. How on earth am I going to be able to do this? And, you know, between family things and COVID things and business running, and then here kind of through it all, the blessing of, you know, being a little bit more sustainable and and the pivoting and um, having to really get creative. And I've talked to so many ethical brand owners over the last, you know, probably, you know, eight to 10 months, 11 months now. Um, and they've all <laughs> said the same thing. A lot of times it's like you pivot or you're going under. And we've seen a ton of companies close during this time. So to see you kind of going through this season and refining things and um, coming up with more sustainable systems, that's huge. So I say all that just to say, like, you're awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm going to encourage you just for a minute to because I'm just blown away by your perseverance um, in the face of, of a whole lot of things. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it has been wild. And I appreciate that. I'm all about normalizing mental health. I mean, there have been so many days and weeks where it felt like we're not going to make it. Yeah. And being completely overwhelmed. And I started, you know, anxiety medication in the spring and medication for me has helped normalize those things yeah. to help me be able to keep going. I think for all of us, in this season that's so challenging. It's about identifying what you can and what you can't do and yes. what support you need in order to make it possible. And um, from both a business and a personal perspective, I think we had to focus on the core. Mm -hmm. And so our business, we, you know, we had these big plans of growth and starting new things. And it was like, okay, we can't do that. <laughs> Let's focus on the core. What is the core of our business? Who are the staff that we have to care for and maintain. And some of those further reaching things just have to pause and wait. And from a personal perspective as well, you know, we really just had to focus on the core of our family and what we have to have in order to make it and let go of those larger maybe expectations or hopes or pressures that we put on ourselves and say, we just gotta, we just gotta make it. And yeah. we have Thank the Lord. Yeah, I I love your perspective on in this season. We've really just and really had to kind of get to that point of saying, oh, okay, this is what I can control. This is what I cannot control, and focusing on okay, here are the what can I not control? I cannot control coronavirus. Like <laughs> I cannot control what other people do. I cannot control, you know, to an extent business sales. But here's what I can control. I can do what is within my own power. And uh, the rest is up to God. <laughs> like the rest mm -hmm. is just kind of how it is. And so I, I appreciate you kind of vulnerable, uh, vulnerably vulnerable. Why can't I say why can't I use words today? Being vulnerable, <laughs> vulnerably, 
full i <laughs> whatever <laughs> i don't know what's right either <laughs> it's fine uh being vulnerable um in in honestly sharing that perspective because a lot of people you know kind of just removing that stigma around mental health and and anxiety and especially moms like we kind of have like next level anxiety because it's like Absolutely. we're juggling all these things both in a real sense and also kind of mentally of just these different you know, million. Sometimes I feel like I have a million tabs open. <laughs> They're Absolutely. all there's a video playing in the background. I don't know which tab it's in. But, Got Peppa Pig going. Yeah, there's, like, so, there's something happening in a tab in my brain and I don't know how to access it and shut it off. Why did I sound like Northy? Like, I, I didn't know how to access it. Um, I don't know why that accent came out because that's, I don't know. Anyway, it is what it is. I'm going to take a quick break from my conversation with Addison to thank our partner of the show, and that's Mama Suds. It is time for a spring clean refresh. So let's get that home sparkling the safe way with Mama Suds. Castile soap is the superhero of soaps. It really does all of the things from the windows to the walls. It is truly the only soap you need. I mean, what can you do with Mama Suds Castile Soap? You can clean the floors, scrub the counters, bathtubs, tile, clean the baseboards, the windows, the blinds. You can even use it to clean the carpets. So grab yourself a gallon of Mama Suds Castile Soap and start tackling all of your spring cleaning to-dos at mamasuds.com and use the coupon code MOLLY for 15% off your order. Now back to my conversation with Addison. I'm curious... How has it been? Because obviously I know that you're communicating um, with your colleagues and your staff in China. What has it been like for them? What, you know, are there any stories of kind of what they've been going through that you can share? Yeah, I mean, they have gone through very similar things to what we're going through now, albeit they did not go through it quite as long as we're going through it now. And as things are dragging out here, so difficult to get things under control here. But they went through the same things, moms not being able to go to work because they yeah. have kids at home and they don't have anybody to watch their kids and they can't afford to put them in daycare all the yep. time. And um, so having to figure that out, fear over a virus and getting sick and losing yeah. loved ones and um, having family members lose their jobs and that strain having family members have to get work in different cities and spouses being separated, having to work, you know, Monday through Friday in a different city because they lost their job yeah. and at home. And so it's, it's been challenging. They have also really come together to support each other. And since the office opened up and they've been able to meet together and help each other figure out how to solve their their problems and just rely on each other a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Community, I mean and and the difficulty of being able to physically be in community with people through this time has really I've had to get really creative. <laughs> and I just had lunch today with a friend and we sat outside at, you know, just kind of on my back deck. <laughs> and then when we went inside, we had to wear masks. And I was like, why do we live in this society right now? This is the worst. Um, but you just you get creative because even though it was freezing out at the time, <laughs> it's like, we're going to make this happen because I need to see another adult and have a conversation over lunch with an adult and not about whatever kid thing my kids want to talk about. At the moment. I love them. 
I I love spending time with my children, but sometimes I'm like, I need a female friend that I can have a conversation with about home decor and paint colors and like, you know, and picking out sinks. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Another really cool thing that I saw that just happened this year is again, back to that idea of we, we are mutually encouraging each other and mutually supporting each other. So our team in China in about so it was March, April when things got really bad here. And our team raised funds, both like our staff, and they went out to their community and they bought 11,000 masks and shipped them over here to us. Wow. Because at that time, we couldn't get masks here. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are so many stories about hospitals not having enough equipment. And so I, on the ground here, identified um, some organizations like Austin Disaster Relief that was working with agencies here in Austin that needed PPE. And so our team shipped 11,000 masks and we were able to distribute those to hospitals and law enforcement and different organizations here that were doing work on the ground. Um, so that to me was just such a picture of like, again, when people think about free leaf and they think about the story of social enterprise, they think that it's kind of top down. It's these, the employees, the artisans, the at risk or vulnerable women that are really benefiting from this company. And, and that's true. But here I am displaced in America in my own home country where things are going really poorly here. And this community of women in China, after they've just gone through their own version of the pandemic, now they're coming together to gather resources to support the vulnerable here in Austin. And it was incredible to see them rally together to support us and and vulnerable women and communities they don't even know about here. Yeah, um, Just really, really neat. That's incredible. So obviously, here we are, we're, you know, by the time this airs, we're in spring of 2021. You're hoping cross fingers and all appendages that we are, you're going to be back in the summer. Other than that, what's sort of on the horizon for you? Are you kind of just refining your new systems? Or are you developing new product lines, all the above? Yeah, so we definitely are looking to develop new products continuously on yeah. like a rotating basis, right? This year, we just launched um, in the kind of early winter, we launched a new product line. And it took us, I mean, gosh, eight months or something to finalize because of COVID, because design challenges, not being able to see things in person, like took forever. So hopefully next round won't take quite as long and we can um, get more going. We're looking forward to making new home decor items that can bring in some of that fun and flair that I mentioned we really bring out in our jewelry, but really bringing that into our home decor, which has been pretty neutral. We're looking at developing products kind of along a range of price points as well so that we have good options for people that, you know, maybe you just have $10, $15 to spend. You want to buy a birthday gift for a friend. Like we want you to have options at Freeleaf of high quality social impact products that you can purchase. Um, And then just hopefully moving into a season where we can kind of 
have things running smoothly without yeah. all the challenges and kind of the back to, okay, this is how things work. And yeah, they're like, we can take some, some growth opportunities, maybe going to different um, trade fairs. And we are looking to increase just our sales in the U S like I said, we're a business. So our yeah. ability to employ women is totally dependent on our sales that we can have our primary market is in the US, although we do sell in Australia and a few other Asian markets as well. So we would love to hire more women and more uh, staff in China, but we have kind of paused that in 2020, again, maintaining that core of who we have right now. But hopefully in 2021, yeah, we can start seeing some increase in sales and some growth and be able to kind of get back to the the normal of being able to hire new women periodically as we grow. Yeah, I think that's amazing. You guys are, like I said, doing just such incredible work. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing kind of the good and the bad. And uh, that's something that I really love sharing with the listeners on here too, is so many people are either entrepreneurs or interested in entrepreneurship or just love supporting brands that are doing amazing things. But I think it's important for us to know, like, here are the good things. And here's here's what's been going really well. And here's what has been real freaking hard. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it is not sunshine and roses. Um, no. You know, so thank you for sharing that. Addison, yeah. before we go, uh, this is uh, the portion of the show where we transition just a little bit to ask some fun, get to know you questions. So Addison, are you ready for the get to know you round? Let's go. All right. Question number one. What part of a child's movie, movie you watched as a child, completely scarred you for life? (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, I think the easy one is Bambi, right? Oh, man. Yeah, Bambi. (laughs) Ah. Just the the heart-wrenching. So many of those, though. Like Lion King 2. How heart-wrenching. I'm telling you. The death of the parents. My friends and I were talking about this the other day. Like, what is it with... I love Disney. I'm a big Disney person. But what is it with Disney and, like, the obsession with having movies where a parent dies? And I'm like... I know. I mean, and then, like, as of somebody who had a parent die at 17, like, I'm like, Mm. it is, like, traumatizing. Like, these movies are, like... Yeah, I watched Finding Nemo like six months after my mom died. Oh. And I was like, oh, why? Why? And then um, I was talking about, uh, Up, the movie, the Pixar oh. movie Up. I cried the entire thing. Yes. Like, it was a steady stream of tears for two hours. <laughs> so, yes. But yeah, Bambi, totally. I, to this day, I'm like, nope, I'm good. Can't watch it. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, obviously, one of the things that you love so much about living in China is the food. So if there is a Chinese dish, like a traditional Chinese dish that you could eat every single day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, there's so many, but I love spicy shrimp mm. and they have these uh, Sichuan numbing seeds that are like, they look like a peppercorn, but when you bite into it, it sends like tingles and literally makes your mouth kind of numb. And so then the spice level can go even higher because your mouth is tingling and numb. And so there's these like fried, not, not breaded and fried, but like fried in oil. So a crispy shrimp with maybe lotus root and garlic and so many peppers and these numbing seeds. And it is 
delightful. I am really fascinated by this idea. I've never heard of this in my entire life. And I you know a- they actually so they were not allowed to be imported into the US for a while because they were something about the orange tree population like could be damaged by these Sichuan peppercorns. What? And so they're not as much in American style Chinese food, but they're so good. And if you can find a Chinese restaurant like a Hunan or a Sichuan Chinese restaurant that's run by locals, you can probably ask them to like if they have the Sichuan pepper to add to your dishes. I am fascinated by this. We found one in Austin and we like to go there and tell them to make it local and they'll add the numbing to it. And it's just so good. I am fascinated by this. (laughs) I really need to like I'm going to, okay, I'm going to hunt this out. I don't know if there is a place around here, but I'm, I'm on a mission and I will report back. <laughs> yeah, do it. Okay. What is something I would never guess about you? I think that idea that like, I'm so introverted and I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like <laughs> yeah. I, people see what I do and they they interact with me kind of maybe in this like conversation type environment. And they imagine that I'm like super social or always this risk taker. And I mean, I moved to the other side of the world and started a business. Right. But I am so risk averse and I (laughs) do not like social situations very much. I have a lot of social anxiety. I'd rather be at home, like in my pajamas on my couch watching a movie with my husband than most social situations. So kind of my public persona is not always reflective of, you know, what people expect me to be. (laughs) I totally, I completely get that. As somebody who people always mistake me for an extrovert, always. Mm -hmm. They're like, but you have such a like big person. I'm like, just because my personality in a conversation is buoyant. It's not the word I'm looking for, but boisterous, boisterous. Right? If I can be boisterous with people, but I am 1000% an introvert, which people never guess. So I very much feel that. Um, okay. And then this is my last question that I ask all my guests. And that is, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Yeah, I think for me, it's about coming together with our staff and our buyers, like every step of the business process and the journey to really come together and create like beauty and growth. Mm-hmm. So both in our business and our products, as well as in our personal life and kind of this holistic sense to create beauty and growth together. Mm. I love that. Addison, thank you so much for joining me. This was such a pleasure to have you on. And I am praying big, bold prayers that you can get back to your home in China soon and that all your stuff is safely in a storage. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All moldy, probably. I cannot imagine how stressful that is. So I am praying that you have no more complications with that. And uh, yeah, you have some pretty awesome friends to help you with that. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. It's been great to talk to you. And I just really appreciate it. 
I would love to know what you loved about this episode or if there was something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use the hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Another thank you to our partner of the show, Mama Suds. Don't forget to use that code Molly for 15% off and shop at mamasuds.com. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.